0: I feel like there's certain people which I'd want to make rumors up about, but maybe not slander directly.
1: I'll stay away from that behavior.
0: It's fine. (laughs) We're all about mischief here. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Thank you lovely to have you here and in you as we've just discussed your cozy environment which is i'm very jealous of.
1: yes uh, it is it is ultra cozy um actually the fire was like a, a topic of conversation this morning because my partner was asking well are you going to get up and take care of the fire during your conversation and i said of course i us just get up and go over there yeah. he said no, "No, so he came up with like a whole route where he can like sneak through this room without <laughs> being <laughs> and I was like that's incredibly considerate but I I don't think you really have to be that sneaky
0: (laughs) no I've had people take phone calls during (laughs) the middle of the show
1: (laughs) I don't think Graham's gonna mind if I like poke the fire for a minute but um he has it all figured out so I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that in his hands very I
0: I just like the idea of like a person mischievously like sneaking through a background now
1: I'm just gonna imagine at some point I just start watching a body move across the room you know exactly what's happening so
0: that's there's funny. very few points of like interference in a podcast and the, there's usually children that's usually what interferes with the podcast or pets
1: right i
0: really i really want a pet but I, I i just can't bring myself to get one at this point in time
1: i'm sort of allergic to everything so oh. i had to shift towards uh house plants at a pretty young age because it was very apparent that even if I had wanted to be a dog person, I couldn't be. And cats actually like I stopped breathing.
0: Oh, wow. Well, it's that serious.
1: Yeah. I mean it's I mean, not if you're around them long enough. Like you can go into a house with a cat. I usually just like load up on Benadryl and then um but if I'm like particularly allergic, I'll start to I lose my voice within like a day. And then I start to uh like really heavy. It's pretty. That's
0: that's mad. I recently found out that cats really like me. Oh. Like I've I've never been a cat person. Like as a kid, we we were told cats were evil. Um, essentially, like don't go near them; they'll they'll attack you, that kind of thing. So we were always wary of cats. And then a friend of mine, I go to the house, and I sit down, and within five minutes, there's a cat on me, like just sitting on my chest because apparently I'm the most comfy thing in the room whenever there's a cat around. And I I don't get it.
1: Ooh. Well, it's the beard, I think. So maybe something to like. Maybe they think you're a large cat.
0: Maybe. Or mistake me for a cushion.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So he's got a very minimal face. Um we, we, we could just that. Anyway, we should probably do introductions and start off with the easiest question of the day, which is who are you?
1: Um, I'm Tanya. Do I do last names? Tanya Um I'm an artist in New York. Um, and I, I have met Graham exactly one time. <laughs> um which was at a small market I was doing in, um, uh, in New York. Actually, to be specific, it was a elementary school cafeteria. <laughs> that was is that massively. what that is? Yeah.
0: I didn't even notice that.
1: Yeah, well, it probably, I don't know. I don't know the difference between like UK and US, like elementary school kind of, I don't even, you guys don't even call it elementary school, do you? Maybe we.
0: We, we I mean, well, we, We kind of do. We have, like, infant school and junior school, and they're basically elementary.
1: Okay. So that was, like, a very typical U.S. elementary school cafeteria.
0: (laughs) I'm just, I'm I'm kind of, (laughs) I'm a little mind blown because I didn't even notice that that whole thing was a school. I just saw, like, the fencing and just assumed it was, like, a car park, like,
1: that's like a full school and um and to explain a little bit for people who have no idea what we're talking about um there's a a thing called grand bazaar on the upper west side of new york um i think it's been running for over 30 years or i should probably know the exact number but it's like half um flea market half market you have people selling everything from like a teacup that they pulled out of their purse and then you have people who are coming and selling art and um like really truly one-of-a-kind unique dishes and um well not dishes like pottery is what I mean um so it goes it goes everywhere from like you can buy something for a thousand dollars and you can buy something for 50 cents um it's a very strange mix and kind of fun and serendipitous at the same time um and it's uh that particular one is run by a nonprofit that all the proceeds go to four local schools, which is the school connection. Mm-hmm. So like all know. of the rental fees from the people who show there go to support uh, programs in the schools, which is. How,
0: so. How long have you been doing that? Then?
1: I, you know, I had kind of done like a couple of dates last year sometime. Um, I kept running into like the weather issue of an outside market. Yeah. And- um, due to COVID, they hadn't reopened the inside. Turns <clears throat> out, is a school cafeteria, <laughs> and so I had like booked some dates, and I kept having to cancel. Um, all of my work is on paper. Mm-hmm. Everything I do is, generally speaking, just black ink on paper, and the reproductions I've started to do are also paper, and so I was running into an issue. I had to cancel a few rain dates. And then I had to cancel a few hot days because one day I was there and everything started to curl. It was hot out and you're in direct sun. Even if you're under a tent, you were getting so much direct light and at such an extreme angle for whatever reason (laughs) that the paper just started to like bend like crazy. And um some of the pieces that i had like inside like i use like a compostable cellophane sleeve for some of my work and there was uh precipitation inside the cellophane sleeve because there was such a temperature difference just between the heat and a little bit of air inside the sleeve that it was like crazy. sweating on the inside i was like i, <laughs> I felt like Fairly. i could for a while um but yeah. what i knew, i was doing um i had like committed and I did like every Sunday for I think it was three months
0: that's a long long time yeah
1: yeah it was it was a lot of work um it's one of the so I would get up every morning load my entire booth setup into a cab come over to Manhattan at around 7 30 and set up you work the market and then you break mm-hmm. down entirely get back in a cab and mm-hmm all the
0: way back home I feel like that's the hidden like the hidden part of the art world is the amount of extra effort you put in getting stuff to a place just to sell it like people like oh you you know you spent weeks on a painting or you spent you know hours making this illustration mm-hmm. and then they just ignore the fact that you may have lugged a table for like five miles or you know or your your, your stands and stuff didn't just magically appear they took a lot of time and effort to get there a friend of mine um recently bought a gazebo for she does a lot of fabric work so obviously again the elements are always against you Mm -hmm. in terms of especially in the uk because it's windy as hell every single day um and she was just like yeah i bought a gazebo i took it to one event and it started leaking like at the event and i was like yeah there's just a lot of extra stuff you don't see
1: (laughs) yeah and like the I had started to get like, I have like this bin that I take with me to markets and it's like everything you could possibly think of, like band-aids, duct tape, hand sanitizer, safety pins, deodorant, (laughs) just like every possible thing. And I definitely have become the person at shows where I'm constantly like, oh, I have something for that. Oh, you need a a zip tie? Mm -hmm. Like, excuse me, I have three different sizes and, you know, um but i think it was because i do these i've been doing them all alone yeah and there's no one to watch my booth um if if something is needed so you have to just kind of you have to deal you have to completely work off of what you have with you at any time yeah. um and i learned that lesson really fast like you'd rather have a few small things and be over prepared than you know have to Go all day with like a blanket that's tripping people or something. Um, yeah,
0: Whoever
1: yeah. who listens to this who's doing markets safety pins really come in handy.
0: <laughs> they do, and you have to learn quick. I found um, I, 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 I kind of got fed up with taking so much with me when I did kind of art stands, and I used to kind of do screen print t-shirts and that kind of stuff. So you'd end up with a suitcase of clothing and a suitcase of gear, and. I, I got fed up with doing all that so when I do fairs now I do it in like the most simple cell possible where I have one case and if it doesn't contain everything I'm not taking it with me it has to be in there and it's just sit, sit on the table open the case and I'm good to go and just sit back
1: a lot of that is so nice because <laughs> I could never do that I just have between like the cards that I sell and the large prints and mm-hmm. um other things it's it's just not really functional. But I will say that um, compared to when I first started doing markets, which was only about two, a little over two years ago, wow, I really pared down. And it was the best thing ever realizing that you will never need as much inventory as you hope you will. (laughs) And better to sell out of something than bring eight times too many and have to lug it back and forth. And I'm a pretty petite person. I'm like five feet tall. And, (laughs) um, just the lifting alone became like a big problem. Uh, and I was doing a lot of physical therapy last year and my, my PT would joke because Sundays were the market. And my first PT appointment of the week was Monday and he would just call it recovery day because I would every week. And it was like every progress we had made the week before I had totally just fucked on Sunday. (laughs) <laughs> he was like, "So, uh, you know, when is this ending? when When are you yeah. going to yourself?" I was like, "I'm getting better. I'm getting really strong." You know,
0: <laughs> <laughs> who needs weights uh, when you have cases and canvases and everything else you need to carry in the world? I think that's what kind of I appreciated about when, obviously, I I ran into you. I think it was like the first time I attended Grand Bazaar. Um, was go kind of just wandering around since I moved here, trying to find little bits to make you know space seem homely in some way shape or form and i saw your work and i loved your work kind of instantly because it reminded me of um an illustrator from the well from the uk he has been long dead now it's in the 1800s was aubrey beardsley who did like hard ink illustrations and for anyone who doesn't know were influenced by wood cuttings from japan so it reminded me of that kind of stuff which i really loved but then researching you more found that despite your stuff being very graphic, you have quite a DIY eco-ethic to everything that you're producing, which I found quite unusual because when I meet graphic designers, it tends to be very modern, very tech, very, you know, move everything forward in a modern way rather than kind of take things on themselves. And I was wondering whether you started with that kind of idea or you've always been this.
1: Um, Well, I think it really comes back to the fact that I don't, I am not, and I definitely have never considered myself a graphic designer. Um, I have no formal training whatsoever, right. so i um, i i don't i wouldn't even know what direction to go in when it comes to doing this any other way. Um, my art practice has always been just pen on paper, in the most painfully rudimentary at times <laughs> process, um, and. I only sold originals for, I I mean, 10, 15 years, something like that. And, um, it wasn't until it was, it was actually maybe about a year before, maybe 2019 that Mm -hmm. I, um, started really seriously talking about starting a reproduction business. Um, and the only way to go about that for me was to find a way to make it so that I could like, I don't know how to phrase, um, morally deal with the fact that I was making stuff.
0: Yeah. I get that.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, it took me another two years before I actually started even printing anything because I was really, I was really reckoning with the idea that, um, I, I just didn't want to create more things. Mm-hmm. Like I, Every, I mean, we, we have stuff, everyone lives with stuff, (laughs) but I had no intention of ever wanting to create too many duplicates of anything. And I think it just, I think that's why I liked originals so much because it was, it was one piece of paper and it represented such like a, a period of my time spent doing something. Mm -hmm. And when that goes into someone else's life, it was, it was like them taking a chapter of my life and, you know, it's, it's gone, it's out, but it's just one piece of paper. Um, and while I hope it lasts a long while, it's also something that could very quickly decay into the ground and never be seen again, you know? Um, and so when it came to reproductions, there was, I, even though it was just more paper, Mm -hmm. I, it took like, Two years of deep conversation with my partner, with doing research on um, types of paper that I could be using. It just—I got really in depth with it because I just—I couldn't handle the idea that I was just creating more stuff that was going to end up in a landfill. Um, it makes yeah. me like super easy to think about actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I—I I mean, <laughs> I, I...
1: your question. Um. Uh, I hope that in a roundabout way at all um but yeah so that's been kind of my general approach approach from the start I mean I started doing some like mugs last year and even that was um honestly like a little bit of a tough pill to swallow and I only started doing them because literally a friend was closing her business and she just had a lot of mugs and she didn't want them to end up in a landfill either and she was like Do you want to do these? Do you want to just like make something out of these? And I was like, sure, because they already exist and they're here in front of me, and we're not sure what to do with 120 mugs. (laughs) So I ended up making some mugs, and it was like so fun and so cool. And um, and I've put like a little bit of a cap on it, and I do everything made to order, so that thing something's only getting made um, when it actually has a destination and a receiver. Um, which I personally think not to get too deep on the eco talk, but I think is sort of the future and also the past. Like that's how the world used to exist a little bit. Like you, there weren't 25,000 dresses available at all times. You had to go and something was made for you. And, um, at least in some parts of our life, I think we have to move back towards that ethic of, uh, waiting. Yeah. 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 Be more intentional
0: with how you're spending your money yeah i i I completely agree it's it's one of those things i kind of fall with so when i originally started making work i was kind of self-employed um just out of necessity that was unemployed so it was kind of need to make money quick as possible and started initially down the line of all right cool i can you know maybe produce 100 t-shirts and and send those to shops and all that kind of stuff and quickly lost any enthusiasm for it quickly was just like no this is the worst way of doing this possible so then moved more to the more I can do handmade and the more I can do print on demand at least just to kind of get around that was the better way of doing it I felt much better about making work because like you say like just the idea of producing something for it to just exist and then never go anywhere is the worst
1: (laughs) it's not a good feeling. (laughs) Um, I actually, and that's partly the fun part about being not just a maker, but a small business owner is like you. I'm part of many business groups that, um, which was for me a fun way to find community also during the pandemic of coming together with other people who are starting small businesses. And, um, uh, the one phrase that you hear all the time is like, uh, you get to decide what your business is like and that was such an, an incredible permission to just be like oh I can actually decide that I only want to ship one day a week because that's what actually works with me having to actually live my life and continue to make new work and clean the house mm-hmm. and eat dinner <laughs> you know and it was it was an incredible thing to realize like you don't to have a functioning business you don't have to you don't have to do it like how anyone else is doing it you just have to I think be really clear about what you are offering and doing and as long as you're communicating that well there's no reason to not have it support your life and not become your whole life
0: yeah I think it adds to the the kind of the work which is being made as well like, it gives it kind of like a rarity or a, an incidental like nature when you encounter someone's work and you're like oh well there's only going to be you know, however many people buy of this object, which means if it's hugely popular, it might be millions, but yeah. if 50 people buy it, then that's 50 people who I have in common with me who've produced and, and gone, oh, I like this. I want to I keep this.
1: I, I was even, when I first mentioned <laughs> the cards, I was like, well, you can't really do like a limited, well, I guess you can do a limited edition, anything people do not all the time. But I was like, well, maybe there's a way to just cap it so that you say, I'm only ever going to make, 10,000 of this one card and I had someone very quickly be like well if you're trying to do wholesale it's that's a silly idea and I was like but mm-hmm. well, maybe it's just more about like you get to kind of a retirement number where you say okay well, there's just enough of that thing now I'm gonna mm-hmm. make something else <laughs> and I still kind of toy around with that idea but my my business is so new that um I'm definitely gonna have to revisit it but it, it's like a thought I always have of like maybe you just reach a point where you just say, okay, well, that was enough of that one. Even if it's wildly popular, even if it's selling well, you can just say, you know, there's opportunity always for something else.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I think it forces you to move on a little bit as well. Like some people really get stuck with one design, which they have to do for their entire career and then they end up hating it. Whereas if you do kind of like a little cap to it, it's like, well, when I reach a hundred of these, I'm going to have to start making a couple with something fresh, otherwise, I have no business. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> it's a good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and I, I think as an artist, it lets you tap in more to the idea that what I'm doing is I'm playing here, mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm creating because I love creating, and I'm not just creating because I strictly need to sell something in a certain quantity. Um, And that's a refreshing take on how to do design work. I still think all of my cards come from a very finer back of things. I think everything relates back to my larger works and just the time spent in the studio. And I feel really excited that I get to offer them in a small size. Um, But that was entirely new for me. I had had really never worked that small before, Mm -hmm. Um, which is why it's made me so, I mean, like incredibly just stupid grateful that people like them (laughs) and that people like you come along and um and really connect with the work and it's really cool
0: yeah I mean this kind of brings us around nicely to what we we kind of discussed about talking about today I mean that's that's the whole nature of this this show is you end up chatting about everything is 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 these kind of chance encounters is is obviously an artist and someone who's out selling work you've got to have like hundreds and thousands of chance encounters within kind of like a space of a day.
1: Yeah, certainly. Although sometimes not as many as you'd think. I mean, that's yeah. the wild thing about being there out at market sometimes. I mean, sometimes only one person talks to you mm-hmm. like in an eight hour period. And it's like a lot of pressure on that one person. Cause you're way too excited for them to talk to you. Um, but yeah, so I think I was trying, you know, I was really trying to like rack my vein about a topic. And I think what I said was, was it casual connections? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because this is a topic that has come up um, in a lot of conversations recently. And it you're totally right. It's exactly why I, we're even having this conversation. Um, and I'm, I'm I was even trying to remember exactly... Because we chatted so briefly. Um, but you had mentioned me. you had just moved over. I think I offered you a desk.
0: You did. You we kind of <laughs> we spoke briefly and then me having you you were kind of like the first person I'd spoken to in maybe like four days outside of my work, because obviously work's work, but in terms of like a random person in New York who I was trying to and obviously I bought a card and then we were chatting and I mentioned that I make work and then you were like oh I have a desk you can have <laughs> and my brain just went what <laughs> like, <laughs> and being offered this desk you're like yeah it's like a it's like a glass drawing desk and instantly my brain went well that's very nice but I also tend to drill into most desks I have so I'm gonna have to politely decline here
1: <laughs> um so that is actually it's a perfect example of the topic for today, which is casual connections. Um, and I I love that you pointed out that you had four days is a long time to go only talking to work colleagues. So, and you just moved from the UK. So when you you still like started going out like out and about in New York, do you do you feel like do you get anxiety about that, or do you feel excited to kind of just have moments with people or
0: um i think i mean i'm mildly broken as a person um but <laughs> so i don't react sometimes the way people are meant to react in these situations like i feel like moving moving to the sea, some of it is kind of lost on my personality because i'm not excitable like outwardly excitable so like being in new york my brain isn't like oh my god i'm in new york and this is amazing you know like thing. Um, it just kind of settles down. So when I, I'm looking at new people, I don't get high anxiety about it because I'm very much aware that they have no idea who I am. Like, and that's I think that's the beauty of a big city is that you end up with a, like a complete confident freedom because there is so many people around that you can just wander around and be like, it doesn't really matter what I do. Like, if I trip or I drop my coffee or you know spill something on myself, it doesn't matter because ten. You know, ten minutes down the line, they're going to be thinking about whatever they're thinking about.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so there's a freedom with it, I guess. Sure. Whereas coming from the UK, whereas I'm I'm in a quite small city, the chances of meeting the same person twice in one day are very high.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: Yeah, um, and or seeing them the next week and be like, oh, that was that guy. So from over there, and then you you know you you always get that little bit of edge of anxiety of like, oh well, if I make a fool of myself now, I'm a fool forever.
1: The <laughs> <Yeah>. um. <laughs> the the big city thing is like it's the anonymity of mm-hmm. living in that kind of place um I think it's the same when you travel you know it's just knowing that you don't have an identity there and but I I will say that I have found I came from a I'm from a fairly small town in northern California right. um, where I know a lot of people and <laughs> um a good amount of people know me just I grew up like right like just a few blocks from like the downtown part of the city and all my first jobs were in shops right down there and restaurants and so I got to know quite a lot of folks um but I will find that one of my great reliefs as an adult is realizing that like even if you do something stupid the truth of it is that most people are always thinking about themselves <laughs> yes and you're going to hyper fixate, but the, no matter what it was, you did, they're probably already moved on with their lives. Um, so that's, you know, yeah. it, you can't mess it up too much. Um, no. the casual connections thing is, uh, I, I think I've decided that those kind of just momentary interactions with people are, uh, is something that I'm not sure I could live without, um, and the pandemic put such a not to get too covety about the conversation, but <laughs> it it definitely put a highlight for me in realizing how much I depend and thrive on very small interactions with people I don't know, um, and it was you know the one thing the pandemic did especially with the lockdowns and everything is that it nothing was casual anymore there was no popping over to someone's house there was no uh, spontaneous anything really I mean everything became incredibly calculated um, because it had to and it needed to but it was um we think of all the ways it was isolating in like big ways, but I think it was actually these very small things that you don't think about as you go through your day, like the laugh you have with the person, the barista, at the coffee stand, and um, that I've become not fixated on, but I've realized um, are far more important to just kind of how I want to walk through the world mm-hmm. than I've ever realized um yeah. and it took me like 2 years to put a pin on it cuz I was like it's not I'm fine um I think one of the reasons that my partner and I kind of weathered being so isolated during covid so much is cuz we are what's the word I'm an extroverted introvert so right. I'm completely fine with a couple years of me just like hunkering down, <laughs> um, but so it wasn't the big interactions I missed. It was the, the all the small ones. Yeah. yeah, I
0: definitely agree. Like it's, I, I, I mean, it was one of the kind of. I, I wouldn't say that the small ones were the reasons for the, kind of like the creation of the podcast and the format that it is. It was, it this was originally started out of just conversations I was having with friends and realizing that the the breadth of those conversations was more important than the topic, which we were kind of focusing on and trying to push that into kind of like a more random encounter with people like yourself or people, which I, I just look up online and go, I, you know, I I want to speak to them, even if it's just for an hour, I want to find out about them for an hour and Understanding that each one of them has an impact on how you go about your day and the work which you create. And I always think back to like you were saying, with um kind of baristas and people you run into every single day, when you think back through like a week or two weeks in your life and the amount of random people you saw in convenience stores or you know, spoke to in a shop, or even just stood next to in like a queue at a checkout. And You're not registering at the time, but you are registering at the time kind of subconsciously. Like you'll see something like, you know, like a coat you saw on someone's back and you're like, oh, I like that coat. But your brain just didn't pick up on it. And then later on, you'll find yourself searching for that kind of thing. (laughs) And it's it's those kind of things. And I always think back to kind of like childhood. We've had millions of these interactions within our lives, especially within our formative years. And we just never pick up on it until we, you know, maybe go back home or go visit someone and you see someone, you're like, oh wait, that's why I like that thing. Because I saw that every single day and I didn't even think about it. But that's why I like that thing. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Absolutely. And those um Yeah, it's, it's so you're right. It's not even just the verbal interaction. It's just the even just being in the same space as someone or watching two other people have like a little moment at the coffee shop mm-hmm. sometimes can be, especially if you're in like, if you're having kind of a bum day or something, it's watching two other people have kind of like a fun spark moment where they make a joke or they, or, or just are nice to each other. Honestly, it, it's always a touch point for yourself of like, okay, so I'm feeling bad, but mm-hmm. it's momentary or something like that. And especially when I was a kid, I, I lived a lot of my life outside of my home. Um, just, it was a bit, not the best environment. Mm -hmm. And so at a pretty young age, I shifted a lot of my like living to outside the house. And I give a lot of credit now to the fact that you know, I was given a lot of like hope for what healthy interactions can look like just based on the grocery store clerk. Mm -hmm. Like really small, seemingly inconsequential human interactions that for me were an incredible breath of fresh air. They weren't laden with issues or anything. It was just like this very pure, often kind way of dealing with people. And, you know, just after I told you the topic, I really started thinking about it. And I was like, you know, I think that has had such a huge impact on me, just knowing that as a, as a kid and then as a teenager, and then when, as you become an adult, that um, no matter what is happening elsewhere, you actually get to decide who you are as a person more in these small interactions than you necessarily do in big relationships because often there's other things dictating that history, family issues, things like that. And it's harder to change those relationships and it's harder to change yourself in those relationships. But if you ever want to work on yourself, start to make the changes of who you want to be with strangers Mm -hmm. and not first. (laughs)
0: on the outside and then the inside gradually like you know
1: yes exist. yes i think yeah. there's something to be said for that because it's these people don't know you they're gonna take you for whatever you present to them and so if you're like you know it even gives you a break if you're very very depressed and you just decide i need an hour where i'm just I'm just gonna go do something. I'm gonna go be something else for an hour. It doesn't make you not depressed, but it does give you this little like window of interaction that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I kind of like thinking about that.
0: <laughs> I, I like the idea. I, it's it's it, it plays into a phrase which I I I kind of hate this phrase of the, the like the fake it till you make it phrase. Oh yeah, I
1: love that though.
0: Like it, it adjusts to that, but the way I, all I can think of in my head is just like it's like you just get to go put on like a very small play, just with a stranger. You're like, all right, for this next twenty minute conversation, I'm gonna be great or I'm gonna be terrible. I might put <laughs> I might put on like an accent. I could wear this hat. I would never wear this hat, but they won't know that. They'll think I wear this hat every day. <laughs> <laughs> and just like how much can you trick the person that you're encountering because I, I mean this is something being in new york i've thought of many times like i have quite a. wide class is like a, a thin uk accent
1: okay
0: it's not like the the most london accent it's not the most northern accent it's quite thin so it's like if i just put on like a fake bad american accent they wouldn't know they just assume that i'm from random parts of the yeah <laughs> like,
1: well and and, and- you can do that (laughs) you know um I also I think that like there's American accents are so varied Mm -hmm. and there's also enough people here who have lived abroad and like there's definitely those jokes about the Americans who go to the UK and they get like a little bit of an accent (laughs) they come back and they never lose the little bit of the accent you know it's like the I'm trying to think of an example but I just you know um but it's it's totally true. You can you can give yourself that permission to kinda I mean, not that I'm saying you should go out and change everything about who you are when you're interacting with strangers, but I do think it's a great opportunity to test out new parts of who maybe you want to be as a person or, you know, wear a different style, wear the hat that everyone in your life says looks stupid, but that you love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You might find someone else who likes it, you know. Definitely. Um,
0: I think I I I I did a one of my solo podcasts ages ago um was talking about um how many footnotes your your story is part of for someone else's bigger story. Like they tell you a story, they were going about that day, you know, something happened, they were off for, you know, there might have been a day or whatnot, but you're in that story and you have no idea that you're being repeated to somebody else down the line of like, oh yeah, I went in and there was this guy and i'm like i often wonder how many people are talking about us that we just don't know about and they don't know who we are because we were we were just a side character at the time and i think the i've been playing a fun game in my head of whenever i walk around the city of how many photographs am i in the background of because everybody's taking photographs
1: all the time especially yeah. in of really inane stuff too like a, a street sign or a stop sign I just stuff that I'm like I'm sure that this is what I look like in Italy they're like it's <laughs> a side of the building. what what do you take in future of? you know <laughs> like but New York is seen a lot and I'm always so curious and um that's really funny. So have you started a tally? Like, do you have a rough estimate of how many pictures you've been in? Because that's, that's pretty funny.
0: It's kind of like a mental tally at the moment. But I had an idea to do kind of like a mini project around it. Yeah. Because I liked this idea. I think I got the idea when I was in in Central Park, and someone was filming what I can only assume was like a TikTok video or something, because they had one of those like ring lights on their phone, and they'd set it up, and they're doing a dance and and all that kind of stuff. Oh,
1: they were
0: Yeah, they were doing like a whole thing. And I was like, I'm just gonna, keep going because I don't care what's going on um and I was like walk through the background I was like oh does that mean I'm on TikTok now because i have like I'm in the background of their video
1: yeah but
0: no one knows who that is and I was like that'd be interesting and it'd be interesting to try and find myself kind of like a where's Wally oh, just yeah. going onto Instagram and clicking like New York pictures from today in the area you were in and being yeah. like can I find myself multiple times
1: actually i that's exactly where my head went i was like i bet facial recognition is gonna get good enough or maybe it already is i don't know much about this stuff but you could do like a search for your face and body and do like a whole project just based on the random corners that you've ended up in
0: yeah and it's is that kind of thing of obviously you yours as well try, just trying to find out what their perspective of that situation was because obviously from my it's like with the, the person who's doing like the dance it's like from my perspective I'm seeing this I don't know what you're doing why you're doing it how famous you are how you know insignificant this is in your day if this is just for your friends maybe yeah. and it could have been completely none of those and the curiosity in me is like I just I, I kind of want to know more like
1: it's a little bit also like um it's definitely like where's Waldo but it's also like um like a little bit like Bigfoot? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the creature in the background, <laughs> which maybe I'm only saying because you're incredibly tall.
0: <laughs> no, that's just uh, makes me, there's a, I literally did a podcast like, um, I think it was maybe last year or year before, which is like, I'd rather be Bigfoot if the legendary creatures are like a thing. I have no interest in being like the central character to anything. I want to be just like the mythos, just like wandering yeah. through the background.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely probably a more interesting experience anyway. Like I, I don't know if you'd ever, I, I'm not particularly interested in being the lead in a lot of things. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because being the side character, whatever that, I mean, you're always going to be the lead of your own life, hopefully. But uh if you give yourself the freedom to think of yourself more as just like somebody that pops in, you, you get to live your life with a lot of abundance because you're like, oh, well, you know, no one's really paying attention to me. I get to, I get to experiment. I get to play. I get to, I get to do a lot of cool stuff. And then every once in a while, I just like pop up and <laughs> whisk away.
0: It's like being the, um, it's like if you if you're in a sitcom and you are the neighbor who just like pops over, they get the biggest round of applause. Absolutely, every single and time. Nice
1: to go home and not be bothered. Yep. just so nice. Generally speaking,
0: <laughs> is this? This is the life advice we're giving to everybody: is don't get involved in your own life. Just move in for one-liners, give advice. You know, get the biggest applause, and then leave.
1: <laughs> well, but you know what? I mean, it it, it does actually kind of connect back to our topic a little bit, which is that um, there is just as much impact from from these brief things than there is from big storylines um and it's i mean that's exactly right you know you don't it doesn't have to be i guess it's the difference between needing to write a novel and being okay to write a short story that can have Mm -hmm. just as much punch to it um and not every relationship needs to be a novel most a lot of them, you know, can just be brief and, uh, genuine, you know? Um, and I love that. And it's something I love about New York. Um, and my partner and I have been, uh, really struggling with whether we stay in the city for a long time. We've been, you know, just like, I think a lot of people in New York, we've been through three and a half, four years of just the back and forth of, do we stay, do we go, do we stay, do we go? And, this topic has come up a lot for me in talking about moving to more rural areas or smaller areas because i have realized how much i enjoy and rely on the ability to just go for a walk and feel momentarily seen by someone Mm -hmm. and witnessing somebody else um just having that genuine interaction and because sometimes you really need it especially I mean do you work from home now
0: I, I kind of like do a mix at the minute so it's 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 always been the thing but I did I mean like like during pandemic I did two years living alone working from home so it, I oh. completely agree my my advice for anyone during pandemic was always just go for a walk take 20 minutes like that's all you need is just get out of your house, go out your four walls and just go round the block. And even if you, like you say, like you just see someone on your walk, that can be enough.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, make eye contact, do the nod, you know, do something, anything really. <laughs> it's, um, I just, I wish I had a more eloquent way to say it. It just seems increasingly important. And when you're younger, especially, I feel like, um, you get so much interaction because of school Mm -hmm. and, and then a little bit like in college or university or whatever, it, um, it starts to separate just a little bit because people start, they're maybe really focusing on their studies or they have a part-time job or it's, you know, and then, but when you really start to move into like adulthood and into your thirties, especially as, many people are married and many people have children. The number of interactions you have with the people you actually want to be hanging out with becomes fewer and fewer and fewer. And I've been feeling lately that becoming an adult, whatever that might mean, is really just um, becoming more and more isolated physically from the people that you want to be hanging out with. I still have just as many close friends who are like family. I've been really lucky with my friendships. I also, like, they're as important to me as my romantic relationship, Um, but we all live really far apart now, Yeah. so what used to be very casual relationships, call somebody up on a Tuesday, go to a bar, whatever, now it takes three weeks to be able to text, to plan, to get on a FaceTime, based around work schedules, and this and that, and It's in these moments that I realize even more how much these casual interactions with strangers become important Mm -hmm. because I don't feel unsatisfied in my friendships, but I do feel lonely in them sometimes because they're not around, just like Mm -hmm. I'm not around them. And it's I can see why people reach their lives and they are very isolated because all of the things about becoming an adult are a process of distance, I guess, yeah. for lack of a better term. And it's, um, it's strange, you know, I think I had, when you're younger, I didn't have a full appreciation for, even as someone who does not have children, mm-hmm. I always thought it was the kids.
0: Right.
1: I thought it was the kids that made my parents not have time with their friends I thought it was us and it turns out it's not it's just adult life it's having to take care of your home and having to cook dinner so you're not spending a bajillion dollars on takeout and (laughs) um and work and and work that you love I'm I'm stupid fortunate that I I get to do art like as my job and as my as my like love but it's uh it gets more and more isolating and it's these and it it doesn't it's uh, now I'm just rambling but it um
0: (laughs) (laughs) no I I think I I mean if I I can I'll bring it to a point I think (laughs) I think you're right I think it's very much you it's not necessarily one thing like children like you say it's just the responsibilities you gain as an adult take up the time in your life so that when you have interaction with your friends they become more significant so it doesn't like it becomes more of an important thing when you lose a friend you know rather than kind of like when we were younger where it's like oh well i can i can take a leave whoever i'm hanging out with in any one day um but I think it becomes amplified the older you get as well, because like as you were talking, kind of thinking along the lines of it is the trope for me is always when you meet someone who's, you know, 50 or 60, they've had life and whatnot. And the most important part of the day is talking to the person at the checkout because they're going to have a conversation with like when, when I go to the supermarket with my mom, she refuses to use self-scan because she likes to have a conversation with the person at the checkout And when you meet even older people who are in like the seventies and eighties, their weekly trip to town to go get, you know, whatever they're going to get, maybe their pension is the most invaluable time. And I think as we get older and as we progress, the key is just remembering that. So you don't isolate yourself too much.
1: Absolutely. It's, I, those are such good examples, um, and it, it it really is like it's sort of like the if those those old friendships of your lives the ones of those people that know you so well and they're like family to you you know those are like those are the the real stuff of life right but you can't all live in a commune well maybe you can um, <laughs> like together all the time doing your life um, and so you need all of the other little ones to keep you sustained. And it's exactly right. It's in in some ways it's just as important as the big friendship um, because everyone needs it. The checkout person needs it just as much as the person going in the line um, because otherwise. I, I mean, I think we'd all be a lot more lonely. And I think that's what we're coming out of collectively as a world is that all of those casual interactions were just, it wasn't like they went away slowly. They went away overnight.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I don't think there's a an active appreciation necessarily for how important these interactions are because um, you don't think about them. No.
0: And they just, they just occur.
1: Yeah, they just occur and the naturalness of them and the, you know, the kind of like momentary joy and having this like, you know, somebody's being a total ass and you make eye contact with somebody else in line and you both just kind of like have a moment of like, what a dick, <laughs> you know, Even <laughs> just having that moment can be really important because it's like this touch point of like, yeah, Lord. <laughs> you know, um, and when that went away um i think it had a much greater impact on my life that i even realized until now because i'm like wow why am i suddenly so excited to go to the coffee shop it's not the coffee it's mm-hmm. it's that brief interaction and it just like i get genuinely amped up <laughs> to like go <laughs> to leave my house for 2 seconds it was yeah. the that um I did not make a lot of money doing grand bazaar for 3 months mm-hmm. and I looked forward to it every week. And it became incredibly clear to me that it was it was a lifeline for me. It was not about sales. It was just about if someone was available for the interaction. Not everyone is. A lot of people walk through the world like super closed off. Yeah. Um, especially at markets, they think that if you're going to talk to them, they're just going to be sold to yeah it's really not how I operate I I don't believe in trying to convince someone to buy a piece of my art you don't need to buy from me for me to have a perfectly lovely conversation with you um exactly. some people markets you know because you've sold their like they walk through with like a a wall up hmm. I think is a little unfortunate
0: it um, is I, I think if, if there's advice to give anyone because I, I mean it's easy to put the wall up I think that's that's the way kind of people think of it and obviously especially if you are very introverted as well the wall up is your protection against everything else and yeah I think if the encouragement around this kind of topic is just just appreciate the casual conversations appreciate those like brief moments yeah. and think that you don't necessarily have to be yourself if you do end up in a situation like that yeah be whatever you want to be
1: yeah yeah yeah, and that's it's a it's a very permissive thought that although I think we're talking about it even in terms of like you have like an actual conversation with someone I actually think it's even a little bit smaller than that like I'm mm. I was thinking back to I I had like a very isolated summer one time I was living in a state that I I didn't have any friends and I didn't have anyone around really um, and it was incredibly isolated and uh and very shy like Mm -hmm. much much quieter and shy when I was in my early 20s and um I would have such intense anxiety to actually just to go to the coffee shop and order coffee um but at the same time it was like I keep using coffee as an example clearly I have a caffeine thing
0: (laughs) we all do it's (laughs) fun um
1: but there were times where me standing in line and ordering the coffee, just like those five words, like I'd like a small black coffee, were the only words I was speaking to another human for maybe that whole week. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's why, you know, when I was working as a server and have been in any kind of these like public facing things, I've always thought back to that summer because you really never know what's happening with someone on the other end. And from my perspective as the one who's like receiving that interaction, I always took it as a great responsibility to not bring my own bad mood into any interaction because it could be the first time that that's, that someone's talking, like not just interacting with someone. Like I went through, such period of isolation that I like wasn't even making sound because I had no one to talk to. Yeah. And if you've ever experienced that, it's a pretty profound thing to go from like literally no sound out of your lips to talking. Mm-hmm. And it can feel very vulnerable and like you just never know what somebody is coming from. Um and so I actually I sometimes think that like those small interactions you almost have a greater responsibility to present your kindest self because what if somebody was in that position and you were just a total dick to them, mm-hmm. imagine what that could do to their week. Or... Not that that's your responsibility. People no. need to bring their own emotions, but I do think it's an opportunity for you to decide how you want to walk through the world.
0: Yeah. And I think it it kind of the other side of that is, I think it's very important to not let negative interactions you have cling on to you because like you say you don't know what they're going through and it's it's when you you know you run into someone who is being a dick being a complete asshole like yeah but I don't know what they are going got going on at home I don't know what their day's been like I don't know how they got to this mood
1: yeah but it's probably not
0: yeah it's probably not me like
1: (laughs) I, I certainly and doing myself no favors if I take what they're giving me and decide to internalize it. And exactly. that's where that balance between having like the protective wall up. um, You have to, you have to just kind of get to know yourself really. And you're like, there's a difference between protection and just a complete <laughs> shutdown, you know? <laughs> yes. Definitely. That's actually a really good point. And I love that because um, emotional regulation is, not easy and no. if somebody is having a particularly tough time in life god bless them i mean well not but you don't <laughs> want to make it worse that's yeah, it's, it's not your responsibility to take on their bad mood
0: you can't carry that baggage from them. it's all yeah. all of this i think that's a good point to kind of round this out i want to oh. cover our whole topic i do have one last question now, which i'm asking of all guests this year is as someone who's obviously involved with the world having these conversations and whatnot, who should I invite on the show next?
1: Oh gosh. Okay. Um, and I,
0: I will try to reach out regardless of how big or small they are.
1: <laughs> do I have to answer in real time?
0: Yeah. It's, it's, oh. it's the end topic because I'll put people on the spot.
1: <laughs> the end topic. Well, my friend Ashley's pretty cool. Okay. <laughs> um, I think she's a, a really interesting person to talk to. She's an actress, um, right. uh, that's how I know her. We went to acting school together in New York. Um. Uh, yeah, I think she's an interesting person to talk to. I always walk away from conversations with her, like thinking a little bit more deeply about the world. Um,
0: Sounds like a prime candidate for the show. Yeah,
1: yeah, she's yeah. really lovely. Um, She's dry as hell, which I deeply appreciate because I am a tad bubbly and I feel like she levels me out.
0: <laughs> I mean, everyone seems bubbly to me because I'm from the UK. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, think you're, I think you have a little bubble in you um, just by doing this kind of show. And um, by my only initial impression of you is just that you were very warm.
0: You're gonna take the interactions in a positive one. That's all yeah, you can do. Absolutely. But yeah, I mean, if I can find out how to contact Ashley, I will. I, I'll invite. touch
1: you in touch. You'll
0: <laughs> me in touch. But it has been lovely chatting to you today.
1: Thank yeah. you. Um, I hope I didn't uh, go too heady on anything. I tend to do that. But <laughs>
0: we, we I, the main thing I like about the show is that I don't set a time. Well, I set a time of about an hour, um, but I don't really set boundaries on what we discuss because I like, like I said, with the initial conversations I had was. I like that we could go from discussing one thing, which is simple like movies, and yeah. end up in, you know, geopolitical discussions about whatever's going on in the world. And I think that's like we like we've been saying that's the beauty of all these. You never know where you're gonna end
1: I also I I think that we actually we were talking about small interactions and I like that a lot of what we talked about today was, you know, just very simple. And I I, I think that's very cool. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you for coming on, and we'll we'll, we'll call it there and uh, yeah. talk to these guys later.
1: Okay, bye.
0: There's my stop recording. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>